Welcome to episode 38, Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. I'm Brent Hersey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris Blessing. Uh, while we got you, if you are enjoying the podcast, you can rate and review us. Uh, that would be, be super. This week, uh, Chris is going to be breaking down the draft, the MLB draft. Um, are you ready to do that, Chris? You ready to go? I guess I am. I, I'm going to probably just break down a few different uh, players, but we'll talk about the draft. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of in general terms as well. Um, but you're not going to get off easy this week. Uh, originally, we had hoped to have a guest on, but my multiple attempts didn't really bring anybody out. I was trying to go for a big guy, not necessarily a media guy. I was trying to bring in somebody, somebody bigger than that. Um, so, but thankfully, you're bringing in some content from the Eastern League, correct? Yes, I got a couple uh, Eastern League uh, games in before. Uh, went out to L.A. for the All-Star Game, and so there's some observations and some quick stuff we'll go through. Uh, but the main thing, I think, is, uh, you know, is let's start the show and put you on the hot seat for uh, the MLB draft. Um, kind of a, you know, sort of a week past, at least the main first couple uh, days of it here as we record on Monday night. Um, what's your overall thought about the class of the draft? Well, I am uh, excited would be probably the biggest uh, and easiest word to throw out there right now. I'm excited at this draft more so than I guess the last uh, several years. Not uh, I, not to downplay the 2020 draft, but that, I mean, we're talking about five rounds. And yeah. I think I'm more excited to see the results of those guys that got drafted in rounds two through five in that draft than the the first rounders. And there was a lot of good first rounders that year. And then last year was like the year of the prep shortstop. And we had tons of yeah. prep shortstops that came out. Uh, uh, Meyer to the Red Sox, Watson to the Marlins, um, of course, uh, Jordan Lawler to the Diamondbacks. Yeah. Uh, so we had like this great shortstop class. This year, the prep class was kind of a um, catalyst for the whole draft. Um, we had several guys up top. Uh, Jackson yeah. Holiday first. Uh, second, Drew uh, Jones. Fourth, Tremar Johnson. Fifth, Elijah Green. And then if you get further and further in the draft, you've got guys like Daniel Lesko, who would have been a top five guy if not for his uh, – Tommy John surgery, and even somebody, somebody at uh, we had guys at 17 and 18, and 18 was a unique guy because he was a junior college player who should have been a junior in high school this year if we were, you know, counting everything. So this was a really awesome draft on that level, and I think it's also deeper than the last couple drafts, uh, especially with position players. Yeah. <clears throat> That's cool. Where where do you, you know, as we relate kind of fantasy, where do you think the greatest value is fan is found for fantasy managers, whether they're, you know, whether they're drafting kind of uh, in, the, in the summer, like some leagues do uh, a few, or if it's more like uh, in the off season, like a lot of the big dynasty leagues do. Where, where do you think, I think the good the, values? Are? I think the good values at 
uh, position players, especially college position players. Uh, and we're talking about those college guys that were selected uh, anywhere from the mid first round to about the third to fourth round, actually. Like it's a pretty expansive pretty. list of uh, position players. This is almost like the pitching last year and the pitching the year before. Uh, college pitching last year, while it didn't have the huge upside outside of Jack Leiter and uh, Kumar Rocker, who was drafted again this this time. Um, without with the exception of those two, most of these guys kind of fell last year into this. Same boat as potential SP4s, SP5s. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe one will pop as an SP3. Um, so you had all of this value with uh, um, college pitching last year. And you virtually had no value when it came to position players. I mean, we were looking at a guy like Aaron Zabala, who's a fine player and a guy that we've covered on the podcast already. Um, yeah. But like he was a third rounder last year that we all got excited about. <laughs> because that's how weak it was, where this year he would have probably been a third, fourth rounder again, and he would have been 15th to 20th on the on the position player depth chart of college as opposed to where he was this year. So I'm talking about guys like it even starts the um, 31st pick with Sterling Thompson uh, that went to Colorado. You had the, the big slugger, Dylan Beavers, uh, that uh, I love the selection at 33 by the Orioles. It's uh, a guy with high upside that might not have had the premium coaching at uh, UK, uh, University of California, Berkeley, who is tooled up and in an organization that has gotten the best out of these tooled out up guys lately and i i know you've seen a lot of orioles prospects this year and yeah. you'll be looking forward probably to seeing beavers next season so yeah. um uh, gonna be a big big gig big get for you um you know we also had like jordan beck that got uh picked up who yeah i'm i think he got more press because he was at ut than he probably uh deserved but like uh, a guy also like Jacob Melton and even uh, Brock Jones, um, uh, the Stanford project, uh, product that the Rays took, I think, in the second round. Like, these are just some of the names. Um, and, and, and you know, to even pick out of the draft, um, you know, Reggie Crawford, the guy that got taken 30th overall, who's going to be a two-way player, um, who didn't play this year because of uh, Tommy John's surgery. Um, like his offensive upside is around the second to third rounder. Of course, they've drafted him more for probably the pitching side, being a lefty um, with a with a solid frame and 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 good, a really good fastball and slider. Um, but like, there's guys twenty eighth, uh, Drew Gilbert to Astros. I mean, that's a perfect uh, contact guy. And you know how the Astros turn contact guys into power yeah. sources. Um, yeah. Spencer Jones to the Yankees. I think that's a good. Good combination of player with some deficiencies, um, but some tools out stuff going to an organization that really can develop. So I'm really excited about the college players. I mean, it's a pretty strong college uh, position player draft. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's awesome. Good to hear. It's always interesting how these things kind of go in cycles. One year, there's uh, certain types of players that are stronger and um, this one, the college position players. And also really the, um, you know, as we move to kind of some quick sort of scouting reports, we've got uh, seven guys here. Most, if not all, I think are, are prep guys, um, mm-hmm. position, position players mostly. And, uh, and a number of them you've are from your area you've seen or gotten 
you know, kind of firsthand reports yeah. on. So let's, let's start from, you know, from near the top and, and Drew Jones, the outfielder, Andrew Jones's kid went uh, second overall to Arizona. Um, what are the kind of fancy attributes we can look from uh, out of Drew Jones? So I missed a lot of um, the prep season. And when I say a lot, I had a two week window essentially of where my coverage as you all know i'm 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 contracted with a team so i'm kind of at the will of where they will send me and um the priority isn't the associate scout uh um, on the top guys so like i have to wait for people to be out of town or not as much what they call noise in town like uh, higher up guys like cross checkers, assistant scouting directors, scouting directors and such. So I, of course, get the stomach flu that lasts for like through two weeks when oh. I go and have two opportunities to see Drew Jones. Um, oh. So didn't get to him, actually, but have reviewed videos, talked to scouts, obviously. Um, and um, did, he's been a great thing, guy to compare video from. The summer circuit last year to this year, I think of all the prep guys, and this is even including Jackson Holiday, who's not in my area, but a guy that really made noise um, and got himself drafted first overall. Jones went second. Um, I think those two were the two prep guys that really set themselves apart this year. Uh, Jones, Jones, Jones has a lean athletic frame. Um, if you compare his summer to now, he's obviously added some strength to his frame and he hasn't comp compromised any of the athleticism uh, that he possesses. Obviously, he is a second generation player. Uh, everybody knows his dad, Andrew Jones, uh, the center fielder for many years with the Braves, Dodgers and Yankees. Uh, gold glove winner. He's actually, you know, similar height, but kind of built a little differently. Uh, he's much leaner. We got to see Andrew Jones debut in the World Series at 19. So, like, we, we do have a fairly good uh, comp with that. It's not like we're just making this up at this point. And we knew where Andrew Jones looked at at, this at a similar age. Uh, Drew is much more leaner, much more athletic, I believe. Um, he really has improved his balance and symmetry in his swing, and that's very noticeable on the video. He has an upright closed stance with a slight toe tap. Uh, it's a very easy trigger, and it keeps his lead arm soft, so it's a very flexible swing. Maximizes the um, bat speed. The hip rotation, there's lots of it. It, it is electric. It is great, and he, he really keeps his uh, front side firm. So even when he is, like, tricked or, you know, doesn't read spin, um, he still can get um, the type of exit velocity off the bat um, because everything mechanically is sound at this point. Um, like, for instance, there's a video, uh, Will from Prospects Live uh, took this video of him um, where he was being basically ta um, um, taunted by the Decatur team uh, and the stands that he was overrated. And he actually stepped on a bucket on a breaking ball and hit the ball uh, 400 plus feet for a home run. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 I mean, that swing, which is easily to be found on, on, on Twitter, you can notice how his, his hands just stay back and he just remains balanced despite stepping in the bucket. Um, he's yeah. a double plus runner. He might be faster than his dad. Um, I think the natural hit tools better, um, has the potential of being better than his dad. Of course, 
there's a chance that the power doesn't develop. I mean, Andrew Jones was one of the most was one of the strongest guys in his prime. Um, you know, I had a few 50 home run seasons. I don't see that sort of power coming to his son, Drew. Um, but he did inherit some of those natural instincts that made Andrew Jones um, probably the best center fielder I've ever seen in person. Um, now, of course, we're not going to throw that kind of damage on Drew Jones. I don't think that he is um, uh, as good as a teenager as Andrew Jones was in the field. But, like, there's a lot to like, and I really believe he is, even though he's a high school guy, that he is the top first-year player draft guy in this draft. And I'm not a big, hey, you know, let's go after high school guys in first-year player drafts. I'm I'm pretty conservative, especially in my rankings. But this mm-hmm. guy right here is the best uh, of the best. Hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, certainly, uh, you know, a fantastic sort of, preview of what we can expect and wow you think of the uh the outfield that uh, could be out there in arizona in a couple of years uh that'd really be fun to watch uh let's move on to uh another big prep name uh and that's tamar johnson um uh, taken by the pirates um i know all all you kind of hear about with johnson is is just this uh outstanding you know hit tool that he has um you know, I know there's some other, you know, kind of questions about his game, but what, what specifically about that hit tool kind of has you so excited about uh, Tamar Johnson? This was the same case. I didn't get to see him this year for the, at the same time. Again, um, this all was like, so I was going to see Drew Jones on Thursday, uh, Johnson on Friday and Saturday, and I just cool. sat at home. Um, I think we it, it was like the weekend of uh, first pitch, the virtual event, too. So like oh, okay. uh, and, and and Brent knows like I was game time decision on both of those days. All I right. was in bad yeah. shape. So uh, I do have someone to vouch for me. Um, but um, <laughs> upright, slight open stance. His hands are at the flap. Um, he just crouches and closes up as the pitch is um, coming with a very moderate leg lift. He drops his hands to the trigger position. It's almost seamlessly. It's not like a hitch or anything. It's just, you know, his body moves forward. It's uh, what what makes Johnson so unique is he has very short limbs and his swing is so compact, um, even though there's a lot of bat speed going on. Uh, you know, a good a good example of a guy with uh, that does a lot of that, you know, a little bit older. Um, Dustin Pedroia had very short um Short mm-hmm. limbs as a right-handed hitter. Uh, Jose Altuve being 5'5 has shorter limbs and stuff. So there's not as much, um, you know, uh, uh, ability to, you know, get out in front of the ball or or extend early. So these guys tend to be hitting machines. Um, I mean, Wander Franco really has shorter limbs comparable to right. his actual height. Um, so, um, which I think he's like 5'10", 5'11", but I would say his limbs are more like a you know, five, seven, five, six guy. So the swing always stays compact. And um, Johnson has a really good, does really well to um, have a feel for his barrel at his age and be able to take balls, uh, shoot him to left field as a left-handed hitter or power up and and slug him to out of right field. Um, uh, you know, in the video that I watched of him from uh, the spring, um, which was tremendous video that I, I got my hands on. Uh, he handles velocity and spin really well for his age and level. The power actually plays the both gaps and, of uh, course, down the um, down the pull line in right field. Um, this is an unusual um, 
guy to be drafted fourth overall, not because of his hit tool or anything like that. Uh, while he was a shortstop, and I do also have video of him playing shortstop, he was drafted as a second baseman. He's a below average runner. He doesn't, uh, as they call it, flow through the ball defensively. You always, when you're a shortstop, you when you're fielding the ball, you want to flow through that. Um, it always seems he's kind of running on his heels. So that kind of impacts the range and that kind of thing. So this is a straight second base um, only type prospect. But it's that second base type prospect that could be like, you know, your top second baseman, your number two second baseman. Just mm -hmm. don't expect speed to come. This uh, He's probably going to lose it. He has a stockier frame, even though he's shorter. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're looking for hit and power with this guy. So, um, and I think his his hit tools more advanced than some of the college guys that um, yeah. are three, four years older than him in this draft. So, like, this is another guy that's kind of a solid bet as a prep guy. That's uh, if you're someone like me, who's a little more conservative with their uh, first year player draft uh, guys. Yeah. Yeah, um, certainly. Yeah, certainly. Fantastic, uh, fantastic sounding report there on on Johnson. I mean, I think it's from a fantasy perspective, it is interesting if there's not a lot of speed and if there's still questions about the power, um, you know, and the, and the second baseman, while he may be outstanding, it's uh, maybe the fantasy upside isn't quite as high. Is yeah. That yeah. Yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, I think the power comes, but I have seen some yeah. people say like average power. Um, yeah. I mean, it's always hard. I think we still um, project guys that are shorter for less yeah. power than they actually have. And I mean, we're kind of seeing that with uh, uh, Corbin Carroll kind of play play out the Diamondbacks prospect where yeah. now you're kind of watching him and you're like, oh, my God, this guy is just uh, uh, just kills the ball. He might hit the ball on the ground a little more than other guys. But like when he gets a hold of one, he gets a hold of one. And I think we're going to say the same thing about Johnson in a couple of years as he gets closer to the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah, as we move on to the third guy here, it strikes me that maybe he's a, uh, in some ways, a polar opposite of Johnson, and that's uh, Washington outfielder Elijah Green, who uh, you know has tons of tons of raw tools. It sounds like uh, to me, um, still some still some refinement necessary there. Um, what's your you know what's your general takeaway for someone like Green, especially? especially thinking for a fantasy outcome. So, yeah, I scouted him last year with James Wood. Um, James Wood was his uh, teammate and was drafted in the second or third round by the Padres last year and has kind of lit yeah. the world on fire. I might have missed on him. He, he I'm, I'm going to just say this. Wood looked ugly in my look. Like, he <laughs> took some of the worst swings, and uh, I, I'm never going to – showcase most of those swings because like it's obviously not that guy um but anyway uh elijah green was the star of this tournament and there was uh uh first rounders second rounders comp round guys in this tournament i saw last year and green was far and away the best guy um on the field and he was a junior um it's yeah. an upright closed stance uh but his back knees bent slightly and it almost looks like he has an open stance, but it's his feet are closed. Um, uh, bat wiggle um, setup. Um, so you know, it, it's it's. Uh, I would like him to maybe quiet that up a bit. That's just a preference I have. Um, uh, hands have some distance to travel to trigger. I would like to see his hands kind of move back a bit too. 
Um, but it's a natural uppercut swing, and it's double plus bat speed, and he's very consistent with his um, his plane on that. And it does adjust too; like he can adjust the balls down and up, um, especially velocity. He handles velocity really well, and I'm going to get to that in a, in a second when I um, you know, break down one of his at bats I got to see on video. Um, the big things with him, it's double plus power, double plus speed. Um, he's the son of Eric Green, the former tight end for the Steelers, uh, who is a pro bowler. So, you know, this guy's kind of built. I, I used to, and, um, you know, having seen Will Anderson, of uh, who's probably going to be the top defensive player in next year's draft from Alabama, having seen him in high school and seeing this guy, Build, they're built very similar. Um, uh, but what's crazy is since I've seen Green, he has leaned up um, a good bit. Like he's more of a baseball body now, and it looks really good in his working form. So uh, I almost want to go back and rewrite what I wrote in the um, potential rating bucket thing because I just went off of off of my history with him uh, uh, for that. Um, uh, spin has been an issue, and. Um, I thought I saw some improvement this year watching some of the video that I was able to get my hands on. Um, but still, the spin, especially when it's good spin and it's going away from him, uh, meaning on the uh, outer half of the plate, he tends to swing over it. Um, even some changeup, like he really kind of cuts off the plate um, where he doesn't necessarily cut off the plate with the fastball. It's kind of kind of a strange thing to see. Um, and I think it is a spin thing, and it's something that, like, um, might not be really diagnosable until he's in maybe double A, triple A, or even the major leagues. Uh, kind of like yeah. Jordan Ad- Adele has uh, has been falling with at times. Um, there was a very impressive at bat that I got to see. Um, actually, a pair of at bats. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays in the first round took a left-handed pitcher, shorter stature left-handed pitcher out of I think American Heritage. Um, um, which is a Florida high school named Brandon uh, Barrera. Um, uh-huh. And Barrera and uh, Green met, um, and thankfully they had good video at it. And, and I was able to watch him battle uh, Barrera. And he went one for one with a single and a walk. He swung through one fastball, um, but then, you know, got a pitch to hit and delivered a hard hit single and then just worked and avoided some of the Berea's six uh, sliders to to kind of get a walk off of him. Um, then, you know, Berea, Barrera is also a lefty, you know, that 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 the spins coming at him. It's a little bit different. He sees the ball a little bit uh, quicker, but it was good to see him going against somebody who's a first rounder. And yeah. battle him the way he battled him. It gave me a little more um, faith in him, if that makes sense, in his hit tool. Uh, if this kid can hit 250, slam 35, 40 bombs, because that's what he's capable of doing, and steal a bunch of bases, this guy's going to be a first-round, second-round type fantasy prospect. Um, yeah. But it's going to be very dependent on this batting average and whether um, – against better competition, he can continue the strides that I saw this season. Yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds good. Although obviously work to do, but, uh, those sorts of, <clears throat> those sorts of tools are, are pretty tantalizing, um, for us, uh, prospect, uh, pickers for, uh, for fantasy, uh, certainly. Um, 
Next on the list is a uh, pitcher, uh, Dylan Lesko, uh, who went in the first round to the Padres, right-hander. Um, what, uh, what can you tell us about Lesko? Well, I missed out on Lesko not because of my flu, okay. but because he went down uh, with injury before I got to see him. Um, unfortunately, he required Tommy John surgery, and he went from being what was likely to be a top-five pick uh, even as a high school arm, to 15th overall to the Padres. Um, very powerful athletic de- delivery, um, high three-quarter slot, great extension, seemingly always on time to the release point, which uh, scouting high school guys, and we'll talk about another high school guy a little later that doesn't have this characteristic. Um, seeing that from a high school guy, especially a power pitcher uh, with cleaner mechanics and that kind of thing, is rare. Um, there could be some room to cut down the length in his arm circle. I think that's something that, uh, you know, orgs do a really good job of these days. Uh, I think the Padres have now hired some uh, pitching instructors that are coming from places that have had success doing such things. So just to make his whole operation even cleaner. Uh, the, the stuff is unreal. The command for the age and the stuff and it is advanced as well. Uh, it's a mid-90s fastball, high rider when best. Um, it lives up in the zone. Um, it sits uh, in the two games that I got to scout off of video, 93 to 97. Uh, can touch 99. I think he's probably touched 100 as well. Um, this is a seven-pitch, possibly an eight-pitch Um uh, it, it all depends. We're talking about seven out of um, uh, on the two to eight um, or the 20 to 80 uh, scouting scale. Uh, like this could be a very dynamic fastball course if he comes back to health and and showcases the same command he had before. Um, curveball is um, an 11 to five breaker, has a great break profile. Uh, sometimes the consistency with shape isn't there. Um but the horizontal break has the, uh, there's some horizontal break, but uh, the thing that really sets this apart is the significant late, late drop of this pitch. Um, it could get to a plus grade, maybe more. Uh, it's all about consistency. And it, that's something that we see with a lot of curveballs at this point. Um, a lot of breakers, that kind of thing. Um, you know, watching a little bit of Brandon, uh, uh, Barrera um, against Elijah Green, you could see that too with even his slider, which looks like a plus pitch. Um, the real game changer for Lesko for my uh, on on my end is his changeup. Um, Seventy to eighty-two is great separation off of this fastball. It's consistently fading arm side running um, with some pretty moderate drop um, towards the end of the progression of the pitch. Uh, it's one of the best changeups I ever scouted as a uh, from an amateur guy. And I, I've been doing this for six, seven years off video uh, or in person. It, it, it's a significantly, um, um, it, it's so good. Like I would put it in the um, Casey Mize scouting Casey Mize's uh, splitter type good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the commands what sets this off. He commands all three pi- all three pitches. Um, advanced for his age yes the curveball uh you know is it still needs some consistency but like this guy hits his locations um often uh against really good competition in one of my one of the games i scouted he had a close to 
70% strike rate, which for those who, you know, I kind of consider 67% about average. So 70% is about a plus. Anything above that's a um, plus plus. So like Uh this is plus command already. Um, Hopefully it comes back after um, the surgery and the rehab. Cool. Yeah, um, we should see. I mean, obviously he'll be a little bit of a slower mover, I imagine, given the surgery. And that was that. Did that take? When did the surgery take place? Do you recall? I believe it was in April. Um, yeah. And and so like that's you've got to say that he might debut late summer next year. But my yeah. guess is that they keep him in camp in Arizona and maybe debut him in um the fall of 2023 in organization in in, in essentially instructional league like instructs yeah and then and in uh 2024 uh, roll probably out. goes out to where probably goes out low a high a and then yeah, i could see 25 even like I, I could see him that fast of a mover um yeah. uh and we've kind of chronicled this i think in an article or maybe on the podcast padres have made some serious changes to their player development group and uh they've got a lot of good names uh good good instructors from other organizations on board now so um you know their issues prior with guys like mckenzie gore Luis Patino, Michael Baez. I think some of those things uh, um, are going to clear themselves up with better, um, with a better, um, I don't want to say better coaching, but with a more modern um, attack to uh, player development. Yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Um, well, good. Uh, moving on, we got uh, next up is the third baseman, Cam Collier, another, uh, uh, another son of an athlete. Uh, Father yep. Lou was a major leaguer. Um, former Philly. First, yes, and former Philly. Uh, went yep. in the first round for the Reds. Fell a little bit further, I think, than some had anticipated. Uh, I know you got to see Collier last year, I believe it yes, was. Yes, I did. Um, and uh, has some, you know, some interesting background traits. Um, so, yeah, take it away on Collier. So, Collier was supposed to be a uh, junior in high school this year, reclassified to a senior in high school, and then left high school altogether. He was at a, in, in kind of a smaller league. Um, like, I got to see him. In, it was a Christian league. Um, and same with Wesley and where Drew Jones was. But the competition was a little better in Drew Jones's uh, um, division than in Collier's. Um, and got to see him last year played third base just down the road about 10 minutes at a high school called Christian Heritage um and uh you know wasn't necessarily the most impressive guy that I saw last year again he was a sophomore uh but you could see he was a dude um so he has a very he has an open stance his knees are bent but it's mostly upright it's almost as if he's trying to sit on a stool um when he's up to the plate um his hands are kept low uh it's a very easy load it's quiet um uh there's slight toe tap uh in junior college his he was attacking uh while also being a very um uh, selective hitter uh against the advanced competition um he couldn't maintain he still maintained his zone awareness uh, and i'm talking about he went to the cape cod league and I got my hands on a lot of good video from the Cape Cod League. He maintained his zone awareness. He has a very fantastic uh, feel for the strike zone. Um, but he lacked that swing explosion. It was like he was in between a lot of times. Uh, against 
better spin. In junior college, you're going against a bunch of junior college guys. There's some guys that may have dropped off of some D1 programs or some guys that were, you know, have shipped around because they might have, um, you know, had some problems at other schools. But mostly junior college guys aren't thrown as hard. It's it's a, like a step up from being a senior in high school, but not like the two steps up college baseball is or the three steps up um, D1 ball is. Um, so love the swing. It's very linear. It, he gets good coverage. Um, I think that at this point, he's going to have to uh, get a little more uppercut to generate some lift to to get to the power potential. He's a stockier built guy. Um uh, with a hit foundation, so there is probably a good chance with his above average bat speed and his ability to stay balanced for the power to maybe exceed what I think it, uh, what I would project it just watching him just because of the hit um, foundation. Um, I think that it ends up probably being above average power. It could even be plus power. Um, my biggest question, and I think it's a reason why he dropped is it, it comes down to defense in the major leagues. While that's not going to handle, not going to hurt you in fantasy um, as much, but it, but it could. Um, there's some questions whether he can stick at third base. I, I When I saw him, I caught him on his heels a lot. Um, and, of course, I could not find good video this year. I reached out to somebody who didn't really see any plays at third base to make him feel um, one way or the other about him. And like that guy was like, we weren't really on him until late anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So most of their scouting was done against the advanced competition, that kind of thing. But talking to a few other contacts, it sounds like um, there was some concern about him moving to first base. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, to prove first base, you've got, you know, in, in fantasy at least, you've got to really bring the offensive firepower. So I think that's kind of why he dropped. Um, The Reds have kind of in the past thrown out um, the defensive thing. I mean, they started Suarez last year at shortstop. Um, Mm. So like the concerns with defense with the Reds organization might not be as much. So there's a good chance he comes up as a third baseman. Uh, But I think that I think it deserves to be monitored. I also would be surprised if he really uh, had a dynamic debut because he's going to be one of the younger guys in in um, full season ball next year. He's going to be a very young 18 um, when he gets there and would have been a high school senior. Um, but again, he has the bloodlines. He's a very composed kid. Uh, the kid, the scouts have uh, commented about how good of a personality he has as well and the willingness and want to get better. So those factors, I, I know that we don't really get into them talking about fantasy guys and that kind of thing. But this is a kid that's been around the game who wants to get better. So there's a very good chance that he will find his way and could possibly be a third baseman long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, something certainly that's interesting, part of the mm-hmm. profile, but something that oftentimes is fantasy players were not able to kind of access or whatever. But certainly, if that's the case, it would serve him well, I would think. Um, let's move to the final two guys in your list, uh, which are both guys that went beyond the first round. So the two names may not be quite as uh, familiar to some of us who, um, uh, you know, only tangentially follow some of the big names. Uh, the first you have is left-handed pitcher Jackson Ferris, who went in the second round to the Cubs. Um, 
Tell us about Ferris. Ferris was a first rounder pretty much all of last year as a junior. Um, I got to see him uh, pitch against Baylor um, School, which is out of Chattanooga. They had Cooper Kinney, who was a comp round guy last year, uh-huh. and several D1 talents. Uh, 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 I think about five D1 players uh, on that team. So it was a good barometer, and he absolutely dominated them. Um, there was some control issues, some command issues, but when he threw strikes, they didn't have a problem against uh, They had problems against them. Um, mm-hmm. Tall, high three-quarters delivery. If you like the funk, this guy kind of brings a little bit of the funk. There's a lot of length in this arm circle. And he actually hooks his wrist kind of, you know, um, like we saw some guy like Rick Sutcliffe and uh, Tim Lincecum, you know, hooking that wrist. There's some contortions going on, some deceptiveness uh, that's created by these contortions. It, it's almost like he wants to be a straight-on guy, but then he also wants to be a crossfire guy as well. Um, it's it's very hard. Uh, it's a very hard to try to project this um, delivery out. Um, I don't believe this this delivery is something that is going to completely work. I mean, you can take away some of this stuff and still create the same exempt um, um, deception. Um, but like there is some, you know, somewhere that he's obviously probably putting on his shoulder and on his arm. And you can also, you know, you go back to the Winsicum study and eventually that all caught up with him. Of course, he had the dynamic um, few years, um, but then, you know, he was slowed after a while. Um, Now, this guy does not have the pitch mix um, and the quality of stuff that um, Winsicum as a righty had. Um, so, you know, maybe the Linscom um, cop stopped with the hook of the wrist. Um, but um, one of the things that I will keep coming back at is watching the video. It was even more apparent than what I saw in person of him failing to stay on time and staying, keeping the symmetry in his delivery from the top, top on down. Um, yeah. When he did land his delivery, when he landed his slot, that's when the best came out. Um, 91 to 95 mile per hour fastball. It's about a, a mile per hour or two up from last year. It's best riding up. He's he's hit 97 both seasons. I don't know if he got higher this year. Um, it's a very um, – it's a good fastball. It, 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 again, with his uh, release point and his slot kind of changing, it's not always as good from pitch to pitch. Um, throws two secondaries. I actually like the change up a little better than the curve. I think most people like the curve better than the change up. Uh, I love his uh, action on his uh, um change up it really does look like the fastball coming out of the hand um solid arm side fade yeah there's not the type type of drop but again there's and and it doesn't have the separation of let's say lesko's uh change up but it looks just like the fastball out of the hand and it's not it has a different spin profile and it's going it's going to cost um some hitters some swings and misses uh, especially as he throws it with more confidence um he also threw through a curveball which at its best is a 12-6 breaker at its worst it's a a pitch that kind of looks like a slider at times um Hmm. so it has solid depth when it's a 12-6 breaker 
Um, but again, it sometimes blurs the line between a uh, curveball and slider, and that's mostly due to the slot. Um, I don't think he's purposely changing slot. Um, I also think that, um, you know, when I saw him last year, he'd go with a high leg kick, and then he'd uh, he'd throw himself completely out of balance. Um, and I <laughs> hope that got resolved this year. Um, this is a first-round arm that the Cubs got, that the Cubs are going to have to – mature a bit i believe he signs if he hasn't signed already i believe he signs um, he was looking for first two round money from what uh what i understand so um yeah. probably not for me uh selecting him and maybe a five rounder uh, uh first year player draft i'm a little apprehensive i think he's a bigger injury risk than some of the other guys but um again like still the talents there to get to you know get to maybe an sp3 um upside it's just going to take a lot like it's an extreme um probably an extreme ae if i throw yeah. that out there yeah uh, and it's probably a good example too of like especially sort of a prep arm <clears throat> that uh you know whose name is sort of tuck away at the moment uh needs you know needs some as you sort of allude to some delivery consistency and some need some work in that. And, uh, you know, quite, quite possibly could be, you know, a pop-up guy in a year or two, uh, assuming that gets, uh, smoothed out or, uh, you know, changed, tweaked by the, uh, Cubs development group. Um, and, uh, you know, it'd be someone it could, could be someone that we say, Oh, this, this, this guy's, uh, more, uh, you know, has some more potential than what we yeah. uh, thought at a better at a better point uh, uh, later on in his career. Uh, let's let's finish out this uh, set session with uh, Chandler Pollard, who's a fifth rounder from the Rangers and outfielder. Um, I'll just let you go on Pollard because I don't know that much about him. <laughs> He's a uh, uh, very interesting guy who's. Uh... So this year I have, and almost every year I have coverage of guys that are kind of on the, the fringe of being draft consideration. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, a lot of these guys end up going to D1 colleges. What kind of made this guy unique was his, um, he was who he was committed to. So we're here in the South, an SEC country, ACC country, and Chandler, Chandler Podler, Pollard is committed to Washington State. Um, and of course, we're all like, what the heck? Um, and that that was like the first impression. Most of these scouts don't get to start seeing these guys until the summertime. And yeah. like Washington State, uh, that, that's kind of uh, different. Paul Lean, athletic build. I mean, his waist, he's a high waist guy, but his waist is so tiny. Um, hmm. He obviously has a lot of room to fill out. Um, I think he's a guy that uh, a professional um, um, professional development strength staff is just going to love. Um, um, super athletic, steals tons of bases. In my look, I got to see him steal like four bases during a two-game uh, hmm. slot. Um, yeah. not much, like I, I can't tell you, like he's reading guys. He's just so much quicker and gets the acceleration so fast. It's yeah. upright, slightly open stance. Hands are already in the hip position. So there's not really any trigger. Um, the, the, the thing is the swing is very much, uh, a linear swing, a lot of ground ball contact. 
Um, not necessarily always ground ball hard contact, but um, in my looks and my multiple game looks, um, he seemed to handle better pitches. It, it, he seemed to have a good contact tool. Um, gets the hands, uh, gets his hands to the ball quickly um, at the plate. But um, you know the plane, the the the, the swing, um, the swing plane is sometimes rough. It sometimes hits in parts. Um, so there's there's a lot of refinement there. This is an ultimate um, lottery ticket. This is a guy that I wouldn't touch in a first year player draft unless it's we're talking about mm-hmm. a uh, you know lengthy one, um, yeah. you know maybe 10, 15 rounder. Uh, there's plus bat speed, um, and it, when he's letting it rip, you can you see it all day. Um, but again, there's sometimes he hits in parts. Um, double plus speed, I would almost say exceptional speed. When I uh, scouted him, I scouted him as a shortstop. Uh, his mm-hmm. actions, he didn't seem like he fit on the dirt, if that makes sense. He had good range and stuff. His hands weren't weren't very yeah. soft, and his 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 movements weren't that great. He he went to a smaller school. Um, uh, I mean, I think it was like two A or three A. I forget. Um, um, and he had another like they have some good prospects on this team. It's always one of the better teams to scout. Um, uh, some of the guys against um but the thing is is texas drafted him as an outfielder i think most everybody liked him as an outfielder i think a lot of teams were you know kind of thinking that he end up uh you know outside of the um draft altogether like maybe a late draft that they hope to sign if they have enough money around um mm-hmm. i'm hopeful that the rangers sign him because i think that he he's much better than washington state no no disrespect to kyle uh, manzardo from the rays who went to washington <laughs> state uh mm-hmm. but uh, you know manzardo was the first baseman who kind of made himself while he was at washington state uh pollard um like he's an sec baseball athlete um that somebody's getting the texas rangers are getting and they've done well recently in recent times of uh taking some of these more toolsy guys and turning them in something even if it takes a little longer uh to do yeah. so so this is this is a long-term guy this is a five six year uh in the making type dude yeah good well that's uh that's a good wrap of of uh seven guys uh, you gave us quick reports on it's drew jones of the diamondbacks tamar johnson of the pirates elijah green from the nationals Left-handed, right-handed pitcher, excuse me, Dylan Lesko of the Padres. Third baseman, Cam Collier of the Reds. Lefty, Jackson Ferris of the Cubs. And Chandler Pollard, now fielder from the Rangers. So thanks so much for uh, giving us those snapshots. And uh, hopefully listeners, um, you know, can can benefit from uh, your insights. And, and thanks for sharing them with us. No, no problem, man. Uh uh, let's get to some of your Eastern League uh, content. I, I know you sure. got to see um, Akron and Bowie, and you know yeah. on Akron, uh, you got to you know catch up on some previous looks, specifically yeah. one of my previous looks, Hunter Gaddis. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know uh, this till the day or so before uh, this game came up. That the day that it suited me to head to uh, head down to Bowie, uh, they were playing Akron, which I knew of course. And I saw that Hunter Gaddis was on the uh, was on the slate, and so I was quite interested because just a couple uh, uh, episodes before that, uh, you had done some video stuff with Gaddis, and so I was interested just to take a look 
uh, with my own eyes. And he's a, uh, he's quite a, a big guy, 6'6", 260, um, kind of built strong. Um, the delivery has uh, some effort to it. Um, he was, uh, had a, had a great game when I saw him that afternoon. He was 90, the fastball was 94, 96. Um, four seamer that he could, uh, get by guys up in the zone, had nine Ks with it. Um, lots of swing and miss, uh, on that fastball was, um, uh, fiddling with a two seamer that was 91, 93. They said it was getting, uh, kept down. Uh, breaking stuff was an 82 to 85 slider, um, and had a, uh, 79 to 81 changeup that's, um, really, you know, it was inconsistent, but it really, the, the good ones were really plus changeups. Um, and he also had a, uh, a fourth, definitely a fourth pitch, but a, a slower kind of 76, um, curveball. And I, I was, uh, really intrigued. Um, a contact, uh, there that I was talking with, I'd seen him earlier in the year. And I, and I think we, and you had alluded to this when we, when you were talking about him earlier, um, and mentioned that, when he saw him earlier in the year, I think he couldn't get out of the first inning. Like, could just not, yeah. could could not, could not find a plate at all. Um, and that was a totally different uh, experience than what I saw or what we both saw uh, that day. I think he had just one walk, was around the plate a lot. Um, did did get touched for uh, a couple home runs, but really kept it in check. Uh, I think he just, I think I had one walk, nine Ks. Um, so it, it was someone that certainly. Uh, I was not as familiar with when you brought him uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, someone that has my interest peaked some now. Um, and just in looking back since that, uh, since that outing, actually just over the weekend, um, uh, Cle- Cleveland uh, promoted him to AAA. So he's now uh, starting or on the Columbus roster anyway, uh, to see how he can handle some uh, AAA bats. Um, yeah. So that's, I'm totally excited about his AAA promotion. Um, uh, Georgia, Georgia kid, um, you know, college kid, high school kid. So this is a guy that's very interesting um, to see how he ends up because he's a guy that I've seen at multiple stops now. Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, ask about one more Guardians prospect, and that's uh, sure. George Valera. What did you see in your look this yeah. year um, that yeah. may, you know, have impressed you that? not necessarily was as impressive last year or were different from last year. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I, I saw Valera, uh, at the end of, at the end of last year in Akron, when he had been promoted to double a, um, a one game look just like this one. Um, this year I knew that he was, uh, doing well at double a. Um, when I saw him, I, I, it, it seemed to me that he had changed his, um, changed his setup like in in the box um what i remember again i was i was hoping to look for some older video and i wasn't able to do that beforehand but i i remember him being more traditional kind of upright when when i saw him a couple weeks ago i mean he was uh way kind of open uh in the box kind of uh in a semi-crouch sort of you know sort of did one of these you know diving kind of into the pitch uh as it as it approached and i I mean, at least the results from that game were not overly impressive. Like I, I just, uh, it struck me from before and from other reports that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of power there. Um, and I just wonder with all that kind of movement going on, um, and kind of non-traditional setup, I just, 
uh, I just wonder if that's going to be uh, part of his profile going forward. Um, again, one one kind of look. I saw it again uh, just a you know a week or so later out at the Futures game uh, when I watched his uh, batting practice, and uh, you know he he connected on on some for sure, um, but it wasn't kind of the wow moments uh, that we have seen. Uh, you know, from other guys out there, uh, Valera's kind of been, you know, he signed young, has kind of been highly touted for a while. Um, I definitely would want to see some more, but uh, King Away, not, you know, just, just a little bit, some some concerns about um, maybe not being as kind of explosive as what yeah. I thought he might be. Well, let's get to your final look. Uh, Cesar Preto of the Orioles. What do you think of the 23-year-old Cuban signee? Uh, I think this year, right? Right. A signee from Cuba in March. Uh, turned 23 end of May, I believe. When he signed, given his age and how advanced he was, just kind of, uh, you know, assumed he'd be a quick mover. And I can kind of, I can kind of see it. Uh, it's interesting. He's a smaller build guy. He's listed at 5'9". 175, although he's, he's definitely uh, heavier than 175. Uh, you know, hits from a left-handed side, uh, super quick bat, um, you know, was able to turn around on a, on a 98 uh, fastball for one of the hits, um, had, some, had some opposite field pop, uh, took, a, you know, took a major league fly ball to kind of the warning track, uh, also shot a double into the left center field gap, had, uh, had some kind of, you know, physical characteristics, swing characteristics, a lot like uh, Rudned Odor, kind of that sort of uh, small, strong uh, build. Um, he was playing, he's, a, he's kind of been an infielder. He's played a lot uh, around the infield so far this year. He had started, uh, I think he played 25 games at high A until they moved him up to double A, which is again where I saw him. And most of his games has been at third base, and that's where he was for this game. Um not sure that it's, there's third base kind of actions there. There were a couple of times he seemed kind of tentative about uh, what to do. One time kind of forgot how many outs there were, um, you know, kind of started a double play where he only needed one out uh, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, and maybe it's just the, maybe it's just the Odor comp of stuff stuck in my head, but it, it, it seems to me that he will be, could be much more successful uh, as a second baseman uh, there where he has some more time, uh, uh, you know, to not rush his throws and, and that, that kind of thing. Um, so we'll see. They, uh, you know, again, it would not surprise me. Uh, he hit, hit really well, uh, you know, OPS over a thousand in high A. Um, it's been, he's been good and solid at double A. I think he's hitting 276, something like that with, uh, with, with some power, doubles power mainly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, uh, how much, how much run the Orioles give him at double A, uh, will they let him finish out the year there or will they, will they want to take, uh, give him a look, uh, at triple A with, uh, with some of their other infield prospects up there or, mm-hmm. you know, does he, does he move up if they do decide to promote, uh, Henderson yeah. and or Westberg? Um, but definitely a, uh, definitely an interesting, uh, kind of depth guy for now, um, that, uh, that, you know, just depending how the pieces fall, uh, you know, could have an outside shot of of uh, you know a starting infield um, gig at some at some point. Okay. But um, yeah, interesting uh, interesting to check out uh, again. Cesar Prieto of the Orioles. 
All right. Well, we've gotten to the point. What's on tap, Brent, for you next week? I am in one of these situations that you have talked about a couple of times this year where there's like one thing going on and it's not super exciting. <laughs> but uh, I have not been to Wilmington yet, which is the high A affiliate uh, of the Nationals and the Jersey Shore team, which I've seen several times uh, is in this week. Uh, so I'll try to get down there, I believe, at least once uh, um, this week uh, to see that. I'm still kind of chasing Micabelle. Uh, Abel, excuse me, and or Andrew Painter. Uh, so I'll try to find out exactly when uh, those guys are throwing and see if I can uh, coordinate that. Uh, and otherwise, um, yeah, pretty much everyone else is, is yeah. on the road. I got I got some good stuff coming up. Uh, I think a week or two later, but uh, cool. that, that's kind of it for me. How about you? I think you got something good to check out this week. If I don't, yeah. if I, uh, if I uh, know. <laughs> Jeremy Deloney a few weeks ago brought Eli De La Cruz to the podcast. I will be scouting the newly promoted uh, to Double A Eli De La Cruz from the Reds. Weather permitting this week, you just uh, you know, hopefully it works out. I'm also hoping to run into left-handed pitcher Andrew Abbott. Um, right now, he's on the temporary inactive list. I think after uh, playing in the Futures game, so hopefully he's activated for the game that I go and see because. I, I've been chasing chasing him down all year and just haven't yeah. really worked out yeah. a way to to go see him. Um, the opponent's Rocket City, and I'll take whatever I can get from their opponent uh, from 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 that team. Uh, the organization's top four prospects are all with Rocket City right now, uh, hmm. so hopefully I'll run into one of the pitchers, uh, Sam Bachman or uh, Chase Silseth are the ones that I really want to see. I already yeah. kind of scouted Kai Bush off of video. And then they also have shortstop Jeremiah Jackson there, um, who yeah. might be the most interesting uh, uh, position prospect, even with the drafting of Zach Nato uh, this last week from uh, a Carolina High a Carolina College. Uh, yeah. So um, looking forward to that. Good. Yeah, well, De La Cruz will certainly be uh, interested to hear your thoughts on that. Um, for sure, if again weather permitting. Pretty good. Uh, as always, uh, we've had another great show. Thanks for listening. This this episode of the Eyes Have It. Um, you can contact us. We'd love to have some listener questions for future show. You can do that via email at the Eyes Have It at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, Chris is at C underscore blessing, and you can find me at Brent HQ. Um, thank you for uh listening uh if you are not a subscriber you want to hit that subscribe button to stay abreast of all of our future episodes and uh thanks for listening we hope it was informative uh as we all uh for those of you especially that are preparing for mid-season first year player drafts we'll be back next week with episode 39 chris till then have a great one have a great week brent Hey, Eyes Have It listeners, PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio Podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Ian Kahn from the Athletic Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We'll be talking about psychology in fantasy baseball, his successful partnerships in the NFBC main event and other leagues, how to respond when you overdo a fab bid, dynasty and keeper leagues, and a little prospect talk, including the recent Major League Baseball draft, plus his boons and banes, Plus all the usual great stuff, our National and American League news analysis, and our Baseball HQ commentaries. 
and Ian Kahn, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with Fantasy Baseball Intelligence for Winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio, and I hope you'll join us. <laughs> <laughs>